This is a real thing. Say hi, Phil. Hello, world. <laughs> and by world, we mean eight people at most. <laughs> at most, at most. Phil, do you want to tell us your full name, where you were born, your social security, your blood type? Mm, yes, no, yes, yes, and no. Okay. Um, okay. My name is Philip Levy. Yeah. What Woo! up? <laughs> Give it up. I'm here. I'm ready to rock. I'm an East Coast bicoastal person. How are you bicoastal, dude? You're I guess I'm coast. not bicoastal, but what do you call someone that lives on the East Coast that goes back and forth between New York and Miami? Bougie. Um, desperately wanting to be everything for everyone. Mm, I wouldn't call it that. I think you're hedging your bets by that, that description. Wait, so you were born in the East Coast, Northeast Coast? No, I was born here in Miami, but oh, you're a Floridian. then I moved to New York. How and old then were you? I was 13. Oh, so you had your formative years in, in Miami. I would argue my formative years in New York, actually. Oh, yeah. Ooh, you want to have, you want to have uh, a little debate about formative education? Well, I mean, what is your most memorable kind of moments in your childhood, Miami or New York? Mm, well, I do remember my mom taking me to Miami High Lie, <laughs> and I was eight. And it was definitely an afternoon activity, and I had two friends with me, and we played a we played a bet called the Quinella, and I picked three numbers, and you won like four hundred dollars. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, seriously. Are you using your theater voice? Maybe I'm. Am I enunciating? It's <laughs> with it, a British accent. Well, well, so let's because I think the the formative uh, childhood kind of experience mm, right. is theater. You're a yes. theater boy. Yeah, yes, I was a I was a child actor um, for a while. And Tell us all your IMDb, please. Oh, man. Um, that would actually be going forward to my production career when I moved off the stage behind the camera. So, yes, so theater, I started in theater and then decided... After having enough rejection in my life, I decided to stop acting and start rejecting other people. So I got into directing and producing. So I wanted to turn that rejection around. So, but what inspired you to do theater? Like, mm. Did you have like a family member? That no, was no, zero. No, my family is, I come from a very untalented family. Mm. Why would you say that? Your mom was talented. Dude, your she mom was, could be listening to this. Mm, she could be, but she but probably not, isn't. But not in this Not in this realm. world. Yes. Not in this oh, lifetime. Oh, understood. Yeah. Right. R.I.P. But she better. absolutely could be, and I hope you're listening, Mom. Love you. Um, so She's listening. She's listening. So it was just my decision to just... Was there like a movie that kind of made? No, you? they had a school. I think it was the first arts school in uh, the city of Miami, an elementary school called New World. No, it was before even New World. It was like South Miami Elementary. It was like an arts. Oh, SME. <laughs> yeah, exactly. SME for life. So that really did actually. It, it, that was the theater formative years. I'd then say my street smart becoming a. A man, adulthood years were certainly New York, but theater also played a part in that as well. Because I went to the 
one and only fame you high went to LaGuardia? school. I went to LaGuardia, yes. Holy sh that's legit. LaGuardia man. in the house. That's like a legit Nicki Minaj went to LaGuardia. Yeah, my boy Adrian Grenier. What up, AG? What was he like legit like your boy? Yeah, should we text him? <laughs> should we call see if he picks up? Is did he is he He won't pick right? up, we could try. No, it's okay. Okay. It's okay. Um, um, so wait, so you went to LaGuardia? That's like a legit, like you have to audition to get into that school, man. I did. I did. It was so crazy that. Um, like Leroy Jones. But what was, sorry, From let's Bay rewind. Bay. Let's rewind here. He's the Phil, let's rewind now. So you're, so what, what would be like your hero kind of like role model in the, this pursuit? Did you have you want to be? Like, was Besides it like Richard a drivers. <laughs> right. Was it comedy acting? Was it theater? Was it like musicals? Like, what was it? It was definitely comedy, but I was what was known as a triple threat. Um, it just for those of you out there, that means acting, singing, and dancing. Uh, Damn, so, Billy Elliot. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I had, uh, you know, I honestly, my mom got me into watching a lot of Peter Sellers. Oh. And ooh. so I would say that almost his range of acting and comedy, I mean, everything from what would now be politically correct, politically incorrect from this movie called The Party, where he played an Indian guy. Uh, the Birdie, Birdie Num Num. Yeah, Birdie Num Num. Pretty oh, fun. I mean, yeah. wouldn't be acceptable now, but just, I think, you know, he was such a comedic actor, he could do anything. Um, so I remember watching a lot of uh, Peter Sellers, and of course, The Pink Panther, right. uh, which was big too. Wow. So, yeah, that's interesting. Did you know all, of, all about this? Uh, no. Of course I knew this. That was like one of my best friends in the world. But, but yeah, but... So, I mean, there's endless stories to tell, right? And as it relates to your, your background in showbiz. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, I moved, you know, I worked, worked in um, New York, the theater scene, and a lot of theater. I did some regional theater touring as a kid. Um, I did, you, you remember the, the Monkeys with David, David yeah. Jones? So um, I did a, a big uh, tour with Davy Jones from The Monkees. I played what? Oliver. I, I was starring in Oliver, and he played Fagin. Uh, so that was a lot. Was a, that's legit. Yeah. Do you have a SAG and anti-Semitic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was uh, yeah SAG after uh, Actors Equity, baby. Another wow. triple threat. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, and the only Esther can do the horn. Oh yeah. That's part of her DJ. Oh, that seems off tune though. Burr, 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 burr. I could put that. I could edit Your that. Question. Yeah. So wow. So then, what? So what crushed your dreams? Oh, oh well, one, hey, one, one, one. Yeah, I can tell you crushed my dreams. Thanks, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, <laughs> yeah. You lie. No, it was really him. He crushed my dreams. One Titanic. Day. No, it was this boy's life with uh, Ellen Barkin and Robert De Niro. I love really. That fucking yeah. Movie. Fuck you, man. Dude, I'm wait. Not, I'm you lied. You went for that role. You lied, dude. I'm not lying. You went for that. Phil, you could have been the fucking Leonardo DiCaprio of our generation. Yep. No, he could have been in the sports life. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. No, the truth is it was really an amazing learning experience because, you know, I had much redder hair, a lot more freckles, and I realized at that point that even if I could have been as good 
or probably honestly just better than Leo. He got the role because of the way he looked. He had blonde hair, he had blue eyes. He looked more like the product of an Ellen Barkin, Robert De Niro relationship. And being 15 at the time and always getting every role that I auditioned for, I couldn't accept going one one after the other after the other. There was a streak where I just couldn't get a role because he was always beating me out in roles. And that was the last, that was the last straw. I'm being honest. It's just the truth. So fuck you, Leo, but I love you too. It's fine. Wow, man. That's intense. Pretty deep. That's intense. So if you, just imagine me as Leonardo DiCaprio right now. What? That would be like a short Korean female. Yeah. yeah. What, like if you saw Leo, like what would you tell him? I would tell him that you ruined my life, but but you ingrained a sense of confidence and fortitude to get out of the acting biz and pursue my other career. Careers. Well, which is dot dot dot. Oh, so marketing, advertising, entrepreneurialship. Is that something you truly kind of embodied or is, is acting still like your, your essence, your core? That I think you... it's fun to, I mean, I, I think it's always fun to play roles and have characters and make people laugh. I try to do that. Yeah. Kind of like this podcast. Right. Yeah. So. We are, uh, we are listed as comedy. Are we? Yeah, I think I told Well, that's because you checked that. No, check the box. Apple gave us that. Oh, really? They said they gave us comedy interview. Wow, they've tagged you as comedy. Yes, because I tagged us as like storytelling or news. <laughs> and oh, you're like, certainly not news. They're like, fuck this. This is hilarious. And now I'm following interview. up Lisa Leone, which is really, really hard. But so, yeah. Lisa, if you're out there, I'm sorry that I'm having to follow you. Oh, that's the first. Ever shout out to a prior interviewee by yeah, the current we, interviewee. Yeah, because we clearly have a body of work. This one still this one still hasn't listened to any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to mine, I guess, and yeah, see how it turns out. And Lisa's, of course. A big shout out to well, LL. Well, speaking of listening to your own interviews, you had a very big, interesting interview this week. I did. I actually hosted um, Jimmy Fallon. Wasn't Jimmy, but it was on. It was an internal NBC uh, initiative called Bold, which is building opportunities for leadership and diversity. And Phil, you work at NBC. I work at NBC. I do. I do. For yes. the two listeners, correct? Yes. And um, I had the opportunity and pleasure to host one of my favorite groups, one of the most influential hip hop groups, in my opinion, and certainly influenced me, De La Soul. Yeah, I had them on, and it was the first time I was doing my best Jimmy Fallon impression, Um, and I think it came out pretty well. What what was that like? The hour, we had an hour, and man, it goes by fast, that's all I can say. Except this podcast. Yeah, this podcast. How long have we been here? Uh, Ten minutes. minutes. Uh, But yeah, so, but that was a really interesting experience, because I had not done an interview over Teams, we're a Microsoft Teams company, and we, uh, shout out to Microsoft, and a uh, proud partner brought to you by... Not really, but, uh, but maybe, hey, maybe I can work on that. Yeah. So we, bringing them in and actually interviewing them for an hour was 
a pretty uh, rigorous process because I wanted to make sure that I had a lot to cover. Right. Unlike, I think, the antithesis of this process. process right. We never, yes. Yeah. yeah. We just wing it. But right. That's so funny. it was basically incredible. Daniel mm-hmm. Soul is amazing. They are so um, uh, articulate and, and humble and experienced and uh, just intelligent human beings. And so they gave up an hour of their time to just talk about the state of affairs in 2020, where we are, Black Lives Matters, the pandemic, the effect on touring that they've had, because normally they tour a lot, you know, even getting into, the, you know, kick their, the Kickstarter they did for, the last, for their last album, what's happened to their previous six albums not being digitally available, mm. a lot of ground to cover with a group that's been together 31 years. Yeah. Wait, so what was kind of the... Um the the LOL moment. I'm I'm sure you had one of those high point moments when you like cracked a joke and they got it. They did. I, I would say when I sort of introduced them and they are the only people that I've ever said don't call me by my full first name. So they've always called me Philip and I just never corrected them because most people just call me Phil. Right. And I sort of shouted that out in 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 my intro, and they just made oh, it. I, by the way, I, I watched it. So this was like the handoff where he makes the intro. Okay, very and cool. And it was like, you know, he made the joke about the uncomfortable. And then they were like, what up? Like, it was like, it was an explosion of joy. Cause, and it was like, I think, you know, those very good at developing, you know, just the context online and friends for Yes, Phil is Ben's wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you ever want to make Ben eggs, make sure they're scrambled. Just, just a, just a viewer. <laughs> little, little just salt, a little, a little view, pepper. Yeah, just a view, uh, a viewer note. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. That's useful for people to know. <laughs> um, no, but they were like, it was like they were so excited. Like they, they clearly, you know, they, they, it was, it was, it was cool. I'm sure in terms of the presentation, it, it kind of gave everyone the sense that they're. Was a deep friendship that was the basis for the interview. Mm. It was nice, and, and it was nice to to it was nice of them to actually have just been available. Yeah. To talk about what the fuck is going on in the world right now. So what what the fuck is going on in the world right now? I mean, I don't know. I was actually hoping you guys would tell me because they don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. Um, I don't think any of us have the answer, but. Maybe in twelve to fourteen months, we may know. No, I think. I okay, tell us, <laughs> Ben. What is going on? Ben, in the what world? the fuck is going on in the world right now? We're going through a paradigmatic shift that, where I think we, um, uh, I, I believe, I'm a little worried. I've always been worried, but like I'm really worried right now. I think we're going into a, a period of profound tumult. That's going to shatter all our senses of what it means to live in this world. I think political systems will collapse. I think that economic systems will collapse. It will be a profound period of disruption where you're going to have extremist governments, uh, you know, um, clash with kind of reactionary or revolutionary forces outside of power. We're going to see civil war sprout up. Do you know who I blame that on, though? 
Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> and it, all, it all comes back to Leo. I mean, it's definitely... Fuck you, Leo! It's like, are you not fucking getting that part? I God, mean, Jesus. If you'd gotten the boys like part, then it would be Leo. Then I blame that on God for giving me red hair and freckles. That's what I, I blame that on God's at. You know, it's funny that you say that, Mr. Wolkoff, because... Um, I had a really cool reading with this really famous astrologist recently, and this woman told us that the first half of 2020 was the movie trailer, and this next half of 2020 is the actual movie. Meaning, she says the next three months, shit is going to hit the fan. Literally, those were her words. She was literally like... People's tempers, their um, kind of their their levels of kind of being like pushed to the edge is so narrow that you're better off just staying home, laying low, because just like a little flick and you're just going to pass. So she's like the next three months is crucial for one's no, she didn't say sanity. It's like survival. Right. So I guess if you guys don't hear from me in the next three months. <laughs> Uh, that you know where to find me. Doubtful. I will. Uh, You'll be probably. Yeah. Well, you need your eggs. I know you need your scraps. So, but, but she did say like it's like because you know everyone wants to hear something positive. Like so, what's nope. going on? They're like, Dude, what do you? She's like, li- she literally was like, yo, the planets are fucking crazy right now, and it's getting nuts. Wait, is that. this just for your birth sign? No, but she did like a check. Like, she I did mean, it for because me. Because normally when you get a reading, it's at, it's really tailored towards your date of birth, the Correct. time you were born. If you were Taurus, the next 12 months <laughs> are going to be. But no, but she was saying. Because for Gemini, what I am, I mean, it seemed like I, well, everything. For Gemini, like, the world's always fucked up. Yeah, that's true. And your split personality. No, no, no. She did personal, but then she also went like. Full, like, kind of like worldview. Worldview. Because, of course, the planets, I mean, guys, like, we're all affected by, you know, Jupiter and Mars and bitch, I have fucking no idea. All I know so is. So, don't you the age of Aquarius? Yeah. All I know is she was just like, the next three months, if you have a short temper, stay home. So we're all sh- staying home. What's the yeah, we <laughs> Well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like it's just like yeah, yeah. you know, like tempers flare, and well, you know. Well, you know, it, we had a discussion with John Brevard about the fourth turning, right? Episode. Um, episode. Can you guess, Phil? No, because you never even know. <laughs> never even listen. But I promise, after 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 today, I'm going to go back sure, and I'm gonna listen yeah. to all of them. I'm going to like all of them. Thank you. Um, Comment. You, gotta, you guys, quote. you can at me at a Philip Levy one two three four five. <laughs> Hit me up uh, on Insta, on Twitter, at Philly Lebs. Philly Lebs. Right. No, got I'm just it, kidding. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Sorry. We, we attract more of a TikTok crowd just because. Yeah. Millennials. Yeah, the Gen Zs love us. Wait, does she listen to this? Oh, no. Of course not. Why would she listen to this? Why would she do that? That's Is anybody listening to this? Eight people. But yeah, no, go on for the fourth turning, yes. No, so yeah, we're, you know, it's uh, you know, it's this um, uh, these sociologists, socio sociologists slash political science guys wrote this book called Four Turning about how. Wait, uh, can you say it? What, what is it called? Uh, the f- can you spell it for me? The, the fourth, fourth, like four, oh, one, two, three, fourth. Four. Yeah, like one. There's like four acts in a play. Sometimes there's three. Okay, but mostly four. Anyways. Not always. El cuarto tornado. 
in Shakespeare, there was five. But yeah, so, so, so it's that every fourth generation, there is a, a complete kind of demolition of the, you know, the status quo or whatever that like prevailing political and sociological paradigm is. And usually it's, there's a talisman, right, of that in a charismatic political leader who then... Is that considered Trump? Yes. Okay. Trump is the talisman of, <clears throat> the, of the, the, our current four turning. And if you actually look at it back in history, you can actually see that there's, you know, like individuals that kind of embody that. And I didn't know we were going to be so political today. Sorry. I literally just, it's been two minutes. It's a lot, it's a lot of politics. It's too much. It's a lot to handle. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the, the point well, is Well, this it's is being get... recorded for posterity, so yes. let's big up. Honestly, you know what I'm jazzed about? Kamala. Kamala. Yeah. I mean, how amazing that we could have a vice president whose parents were from India and Jamaica. Buh, buh, buh. I mean, I'm just saying. Please don't I, do that I, again. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Totally. that's pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to edit that out. You have to edit that out. Well, you're your husband's <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. In truth, how awesome is that, though? Is that... It is awesome and completely meaningless. It's meaningless, but it just because, shows... It, because at the end of the day, I believe Trump will win. Really? That is so funny because that is the same... My gut is saying the same mm-hmm. thing. And mind you... Yeah, because your gut is telling you, you're reading the news. He's trying to shut down the post office, sabotage our democracy in front of our eyes. And he's going to probably get away with it. But here's the thing. This is what what the media does. They love to give the story, right? The story for Kamala Harris is that she's from an immigrant family. This is what they sold us with Obama, right? They love a good story. And And it is a good story. It's a great story. And people relate to stories. Right, and if you want to go back to my Yuval Noral Harari's like the sapiens of mentality, people want stories. We believe in stories, and so if you can relate to a story, you could be like, "Boom, she got my vote." But what ended up happening was, I feel like the media doesn't really portray the true essence of this country. And when people were, if you look at the last election, everyone said Hillary Clinton was going to win. The polls were all about Clinton, 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 and dude, the freaking, I, I'm telling you, man, in jest here, everyone in person, oh yeah, cool, Kamala Harris, Kamala, they don't want her, they don't want Biden, they want Trump, because Trump Who's is they? Yeah. Rich, white people. No, Wall Street's endorsed Biden, we're good. We're going to get this fucking lying piece Who of shit out of here. Who endorsed Biden, dude? Wall Street. Wall Street's endorsing Biden. Wall Street is endorsing Biden. Mm-hmm. I think they are. Their stock team, markets have been up because of Trump. No, that was because of Obama. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't know, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, big I, up to my girl Kamala Harris. So, so you think that was a good pick? I do. I do. Oh, think, yeah. I do think it was a great pick. It was the only to me it was the only because like the whole thing is that right now. You know, if you're crafting like a strategy for like winning an election, like if you have a historically unpopular president, your only goal is to not bring attention to yourself, right? And so one of the things that again I'm gonna contradict what I said earlier, one of the things that like mitigates and, and, and 
favor of, uh, of Biden-Harris is that we don't have conventions now. We, like, you know, you haven't have you seen Biden do anything a lot? He hasn't had to. And everyone's just saying, fucking stay in the background. Like, you, you know, like, just don't even appear. Like, we, you know, and, and dodge whatever you can. Because at the end, at the end you know, this is a referendum on Trump. And you just, you don't want it to be about you. You just want it to be about him. Well said. And the Kamala Pitt leaves them without, there's no ammunition. Susan Rice, Benghazi. You know, yeah, whatever. It's all fucking bullshit. Yeah, but Kamala Harris was a prosecutor. She pretty much put all of Oakland in jail. Yeah, but if you're if you're trying to get the independents, are you gonna fire them up about that? No, they don't they're not they don't care about that. They care about they're like, oh, so your message is she's tough on crime. That's not an effective way to try to like it's, turn independence away from you. Very true. And to most independents, that that's kind of that might be appealing. Right? And it's even and even on the fence Republicans that are like, you know, we need to be tough on crime. She has been tough. Or the people that are like Biden senile. What the fuck? Who are we going to end up with as the president when he when he dies? Or you know, like, okay, she's a senator. She's been around for a while. Like she's kind of legit. That all being said, I don't think you're into. It doesn't seem like you're into comedy. No, I just think that Trump's going to win. I think he's going to sweep your the second. But was, is he less likely? No. Is he more likely to win because like who could have Biden the pick? He's more likely to win because he's sabotaging our democracy. No, because I think that at the end of the day, people, you know, mass media and just kind of like the general populace, no one wants to like rock the boat. But you know, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, Biden, yeah, yeah, Kamala. No, but I they will I'm vote sorry. Trump under closed cloak. I, I do think. I, I don't think. Not at this point with 165,000 people dead. I think no fucking. Anybody well, four years with, into this. Yeah. Anybody with a conscience at this point knows I, that. You don't know. I, it's like I, I do think that for us that are like living in this kind of liberal bubble that you forget that majority of Americans are not in the same kind of mindset that we uh, we three are. Like, I was driving through North Georgia and North Carolina, like, the last couple days, and trust me, like, no masks, like, and they're pretty... You are right, but here's the thing that is happening. Those those districts, those pockets, those people will just vote along party lines. That's fine. What will, what will shift, at least this, what will shift this election was that were those marginal voters that tried, that went over to the Trump side, let's, let's drain the swamp, all that bullshit... Those people that are either slightly educated or even undereducated that have had COVID and the pandemic and them losing money and not, they will not vote for this guy again. And any and the white women that voted for Trump won't vote for him again. That's so, my. So point. when I said earlier that Trump's going to win, so so some like because I I oscillate in this day to day, and I think a lot of it is like born out of the trauma of the last election. So I'm wondering. I think that I just in my mind. I think my brain can't think of a reason why Biden wouldn't win. Like, if the, if the election were held today, Biden wins, period. Right. Uh-huh. You mean common sense. Com- common, common sense, sense tells you Biden should yeah. win. But my, my, and, and, but my gut my, right. is that some shit's going to go down the next time, whether it's rigging the election, Which voter is suppression, yeah, not funding the fucking postal service. Whether it's... I would like to make a PSA. If you can, for the 13 people listening, 
Vote. Wow, we went from two to no, that's optimistic. Nice. Yeah, nice. Vote early. Nice. Vote early, and vote in person. And vote, often. and vote in person, because a lot of counties do allow early voting. You can vote in person, and your vote will count. You have to worry about this post office thing, and that is my that is my concern. That is my PSA: vote early in person to make your vote. Also, fuck you, Leonardo DiCaprio. The more you know. Yeah, exactly. Okay, can we go back to your acting days? We can. So wait, is there any like really cool sitcoms from the 90s that you're on? Like, no, no, I was a theater. No, no, I was a theater. I was a theater. He was I was a real thespian. Like Broadway? Off. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't make it quite there. Almost made it to Les Mis, but never quite got there. Yes. Interesting. It's like a therapy session. Yes. Yeah. It truly is. It really it is. is. So what? So going. Sorry. Let's let's dive deep into it. So okay. So child actor, off Broadway, but you still had dreams of like kind of like what winning the Oscar, the Tony. Like what was it that made you want to? pursue that career path i was a you know i was tra- an only child i was an only child God, I <laughs> and i was trained as a as a as a you know as a method actor to be totally honest with you and it and i got a lot of success out of it and i what did your parents think about all this it was just my mom it was mm. just me and my mom and i think that for me really creating a character was an incredible experience and being on stage and and embodying that character and doing something a little bit different every night uh, was an incredible experience. And there isn't anything as thrilling as being on stage with 800 people in an audience and feeling that energy. Is it the accolades, the praise, like or? No, it wasn't any of that. It was, it was, it was this. It was the feeling and the energy of, of, actually being somebody else. As a kid, it was sort of that too. Yeah, it was absolutely being a, playing a dip, being a different person, mm. um, and like getting in that role. Mm. Um, that absolutely was part of it, and I think the transition from theater to film for me it wasn't as successful was because the style of acting right. is it's very limited, right? A lot of the acting that you see on camera, it's to some sense just superficial. Mm-hmm. And there's not there's not so deep you can go unless it's an incredibly well written script. Right. And there are, like T V and film obviously there are, but you know, the, the the way that you engage and act is different. Just a different style of acting. Mm-hmm. So, is there is there kind of um, like a desire to do that again in your current like kind of your life? Like I, think just, I, I think I do. I think I'm doing it right now with you guys. So I sort of get get a chance to do this oh, yeah. a couple times a week, and I get to see playing people. a different role. Yeah, Jeez. escapism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's life, right? No, I I I you know I would never go through the acting, the business, the acting business yeah. again. I think, you know, for all you want to be actors out there listening. Um, I mean, it's hard on the, ego. it's really it's hard. hard. And I was life. successful and it, and it, it really did, um, 
play a part of my life, that, but also allowed me to grow. Right. And I pursued education. I did different things. And how did you, so, so you know, your mom, bless her soul, who uh, you know was always so protective of you and so attuned to like the pitfalls that you know that, that you might be um, exposed to. Um, I mean, she surely knew that. You know, she was like, okay, he has the talent and the passion, but she also, you know, she was a smart woman. She knew that the perils of that industry. So I'd be curious to like, what, how did she help you navigate that? Like, because she, I'm sure she wants to support your passion, but she was probably also like, shit, this is not exactly a nurturing industry. Yeah. So how did she, you know, navigate? There that? was a point when I was at LaGuardia that, um. I knew that probably acting, continuing to act, because I would started acting. I think my first show was when I was eight. Mm. So cut to seven years. I'm now at LaGuardia, and I'm doing, you know, I'm out of school, in of school, doing auditions, etc. I think she knew that it was probably time to shift focus away from being a an a, child, teenage actor, whatever you want to call it, and sort of grow and think about other things beyond the stage. Did you push back against that influence? I actually, I actually didn't. And, and I, you felt like that was your time. Like you, yeah. And and a part of me also was, I felt like I was done. Interesting. Right. Because I really gotten every role that I was up for. And then I was on this long, you know, this long road of unsuccessful auditions for like from 14 to 15. Mm. And thanks, Leo. And I think that um, she recognized that I had more talents than just being an actor. And so she, so I left LaGuardia to continue the story. So my, at the end of my my sophomore year, I got out of LaGuardia to a different school and for junior and senior year, just really focused on my, on my academics and I didn't act. And then that's how I got to meet Mr. Wolkov was we attended <laughs> new college together. Oh my God. You went to the hippie school in Florida. I know from, from child actor to hippie. Mm-hmm. Did you guys yeah. do a lot of weed? No. I don't think you called do a lot of weed, smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. A lot of mushrooms. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. New college. I had friends that went to New College, yeah. Really? You probably didn't know. No, I mean, we probably but did. But they do, they do like... We know everybody that went to New College. This girl, Jessica, she... Was Jessica? Like, oh my God, Jessica? Well, there were a lot of Jessicas. Yeah. Wait, what's her last name? Oh my God, I don't know. She was Colombian, though. She was naked all the time. She said... Oh, like, I'm sure we knew her then. <laughs> she told me they like just like just like just run around naked all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a misconception, like by the way. Oh, so we definitely know her. Um, you would have. I would. Probably yeah. Shout out to Jessica, naked, new college. Anywho, um, but is there ever a sense that if you stuck with the acting, you'd be in a whole different place? Have you ever kind of like done the rewind, what happens, sliding door? Probably, yes. I mean, That's a great movie, by the way, sliding door. Except for when it's a <laughs> accent. Oh, God, yeah, that's right. She was a and is Ben Affleck in the movie? 
No, nah. bro. No. Sliding doors. I think they they um, they had this. Wait, King so of who's Morris. the guy in it then? Some British actor. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, it's the guy from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Hugh? No. No. The, the lanky guy who's married to the uh, the fat guy that has a heart attack and dies. The gay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know for his the lanky well. guy. Oh, that, that was Love Actually. No, he's a, that's your shit. No, that was. Anyways, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. The sliding doors. Yeah. Do you ever like have weird like moments of like, what if I just stick? No, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. I mean, I think I think maybe um, it would have been. Look, I th- it comes down to the business, and I will share a story. So I finished college. And new college, finished naked, new college, new naked and, college. And I was, and I thought that I should go. I had already had, um, you know, I knew I knew agents in the business, and they knew I had been successful. I'd made the money, and they, they just, it's, it was so hard, even though I was, at, you know, equity after SAG to get back in the business, and and it just didn't feel like it was, it was worth it at that point. Mm-hmm. Because they were gonna make me, they were just gonna, they weren't taking me back after everything I had already done, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Fuck this! I'd already done everything." So, is there a sense of power? Like you joked about it earlier about you know, like moving from the oppressed to the oppressor. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he said oppressed. I didn't say. I said, re- I said, I said rejected to the. Re- re- it was rejected to the rejector. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, but, but is it is there is is it just like a sense of I mean I know you love the industry and I know you love media and like, you know, all that stuff but like is it is it does it give you a sense of comfort that in a way you're on the other side of it? I mean I know you don't deal with talent, right? Cause right. Know, yeah. I mean what we do when we're creating, you did when you were producing. Yeah. When I was yeah I'm creating. Well, talk talk about your your life as a producer in Hollywood. I so. What basically the oppressor? So uh, after deciding not to pursue anything in front of the camera and on stage anymore, I, I still did have a love for storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pursued that by continuing my education. Long story short, is I wanted to live abroad, so I went to Trinity College Dublin. I did a master's there, and I studied the great Irish playwrights. So I studied Beckett and Wilde and George Bernard Shaw and Brian Friel and W.B. Yeats. And and the true, it's amazing that this small little island really did create like the 20th century's best writers. Um, So I studied them and came back to New York, was a literary manager for Big Off for the award-winning Irish Repertory Theater. And then I realized there's no money in theater. Like Mm -hmm. I, I wanted, I needed to make money. So then I took my talents to Los Angeles and uh, did uh, a set, did a, did another master's and I was fortunate enough to be accepted to the UCLA film school oh, into wow. the producers program. Nice. And it was a very competitive program and that really entered, that really opened the door for me to Hollywood and, and to build this, to build this sort of producing career mm-hmm. to lead me to where I am now at NBC, even though I'm not on the content side I'm on the marketing side for NBC, but ultimately when you're selling something on marketing, you're still just telling stories. So those right. skills, those, that skill set is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but in, in LA, it was, it was an incredible, I lived there 10 years. Mm. I was at Paramount and Sony and I worked for a big producer 
And I learned firsthand how many writers, mm. you know, there was one phrase that I'll never forget. There's a graveyard of scripts in Hollywood <laughs> that could probably fill this whole country. There's mm -hmm. a graveyard wow. of ideas. And, and sort of being able to critic, <laughs> criticize um, ideas and decide which idea gets to the next level, what do you push through, what do you don't, was sort of gratifying, but that's not why I did it. I went to LA to just continue my career in education in storytelling, because ultimately I wanted to make things happen. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't need to see myself in front of the camera. I just mm -hmm. wanted to create cool shit at the end of the day. So what has been your ultimate kind of the best story that you have seen been told in the last 10 years? Hmm. 10 years, I mean, that is really fucking hard. Um, and you could be directly involved or not. No. I'm wondering I, if there was any stories that needed to be told that you were... There's one yeah. story that I'm that I'm still working on actually that, that stayed close to my heart with a um, with a, a writer and a, a writer and, and his partner a director and it's about sort of the original Sin City right it's before Vegas was Vegas and, and that city is New Orleans so before Vegas was like this hot spot of sort of underground illicit activity. New Orleans was the capital for America, where you would A, go to get laid in prostitution. Right? Is this like a John Kennedy O'Toole type Confederacy of type? No, no, not or at all. Old, or old, like... Older. This is at the turn of the century. Ah. Um, this is a story about sort of the first um, mixed race woman that was like the biggest madam in the country at the time. And it's a story about it's a story about race because they had separate districts. Right. So yeah. if you wanted to get laid with white women, they had their district, and if right. you wanted something more exotic, they had their district. So it's a story about about this woman that was the most sort of had the most sought after brothel in the country because her women were mixed. So I think it's really pertinent to where we are now with race and racial identity and just you know racial equality because very much the cards were stacked against her at that time and she fought for it to be integrated um who so, knew exactly prostitution race equality i mean i'll, I'll watch it for the equality you know, just for the, the message of equality yes and for the tits and ass of yeah. course um but starring no. cardi b right yeah. yes i mean let's, should, be let's call up cardi and see if we can do it but yeah. that is one story that i do feel Needs to be told. I tend to gravitate towards historical mm. stories, like real life. Real story. life. This is a real life, and you know, New Orleans had they had a book called The Blue Book, and it was a directory. It was it was, it was published every month about the best, you know, the best whorehouses in town. Whoa! Yeah, a real deal thing, and it was sponsored and where to where to go, and they had descriptions on every page of the women and the owners. It's an inc this is a piece of history that we sort of gloss over, um, and that's why New Orleans to me is such a fascinating city. Yeah, and it, it still is. I mean, oh yeah, birthplace birthplace of the Sazerac and jazz. Sazerac, of course. I mean, we're saying. And yeah, um, well, that's pretty cool, man. So that's, that's one story that I 
love that I'd love to Who see Who would you cast besides Cardi B and, and the lead role? Like, Don't it, say Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> no. Well, it's got to be, um, what's her name? The, the British... Uh, there, there's an, actually an Irish actor. Um, she's amazing, and I'm forgetting her name at the moment, but I will look it up. But she would be Ruth... Nega, N-E-G-G-A. She's from Dublin. She's a mixed race act. Uh, she's a you know, child of, of a mixed race. Uh, I think it's an African immigrant that came to Dublin and an Irishman. And she is a powerful, incredible, amazing actress. Wow. Yeah. So all you need is essentially Scott Rudin to come and give you, you know, $40 million. Yeah. And then you can start making a movie. Good old Scott Rudin. Come on, Scott. I know you're listening, buddy. Yeah, we could get we could get a hold of Zach Bush's cousin Eli Bush, who works for Scott. I, I know him; it's fine. I, 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 I have a friend that is Scott. So oh, good. All right, good. Well, <laughs> I was thinking Thandie Newton. Oh, oh Thandie yeah. Newton. Fandy, She's yeah. cute too. Yeah. Yeah. Thandie yeah. Fandy Newton would absolutely be an older, an older, yeah, older yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's a lot of there's a lot of mixed race British actresses that are like blown up right now. So. Yeah. yeah, and so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that to me would be a interesting would be a story that I'd like to tell. Cool. Anything else? Story wise? Yeah, like just like stories that you just are like. You know what I really love? This is a movie that just is so entertaining and fun. Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> it is such Why an I, I it is such an incredible it's, action it's, movie. It's, it's the way. It, the way the the uh, Charlie's Theron, yeah, it's the feminist. It's a feminist movie. The, just of, the way of, of the, the century, the way that it's shot, the acting. It is just I can watch that movie over and over again because it it's it's engaging. It's got an, a female lead. But but what I love about the movie, especially as, as someone who's got because you know, I view it through the prism of my nieces and like what they have to. Uh, you know, you've got strong, a strong male character, Tom Hardy, right? Whose strength is defined by his strength of relationship with the strong women yep. in that movie. Like, so it's like, it's kind of like in a way, I think what, what, what's so great about the movie is that it's like, it just shows strong, like role models for men and women in a way that doesn't, it's not about, well, are men dominant or women dominant? It's like, they're all powerful they're fighting a common cause of like despotism but they're all doing it in in a way that's kind of like tracks with you know yeah in in their well they're doing it in the only way that they can they're it's, yeah it's, you're redefining gender roles not just for the women yeah but for the men for as the men well. well but not in a way that's like but in a way that i think most men can accept like that you can be a strong man in a, in a deferential role vis-a-vis women, right? And that your strength is actually defined by reference to that. And along those same lines, I mean, it sort of does sort of bring me back, and I don't know if you guys have covered this in your other podcast because I haven't listened. We've but if I, it, if I have, um, yes to feminism. I do think that Moonlight, honestly, is an incredible... Well, Esther has a, a very specific Moonlight network. Well, sorry, I didn't figure out. No, I mean, I just think we were yeah. talking about sort of stories, um, yeah, s- storytelling, but also sort of uh, re um, 
masculinity and sexuality. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. Reframing all of that, yes. right? And what's ex- the expectations what from the culture and community yeah. that you come from. And that, I think, did, a, did an incredible job of um, bringing alternate stories of history that you never see to the big screen. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's what Irish shout out is to, all about. Shout out to Terrell Alvin McCraney and Andrew Hevia. Yes, I was their landlord, just so you know, really? for their production offense. Wow. Yes. But, um, yeah, so the folks that were behind it, I'm, you know, pretty close friends with. And I remember um, Barry Jenkins, who's the director, and Andrew Hevia was the director. They were, they come into my office. I was working at a young nurse at the time. And they were like, hey, we need, like, a production office in Miami. And we... We had like a couple spaces available. And I was like, so what is this movie? And they're like, oh, it's a play by Terrell, which I knew who Terrell was. And I was like, oh, cool. It's like, you know, it's about like a coming of age story. And I kid you not, guys, I kid you not. They straight up looked me in the eye and said, this movie is going to win an Oscar. No way. I swear to God. And I looked, I was in like, and I looked at them and I'm like, what crack are you smoking, bro? Like, I was like, what? Okay, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can have the office space. Like, but they were so confident. And that, to me, brought it to the to the very tip. It's like, if you, in your guttest of gut, in your hardest of heart, know that this thing is going to take it. And this was like three years before the movie even like went onto the screen. By God, your destiny was written. Because for them, they were like, they, they had zero, like zero doubt that this movie was going to change the face of Hollywood. I was like, and I'm, I'm literally like, you guys are crazy. How do you think they felt for those 20 seconds when they thought La La Land had won it? What, what? How do you think they felt for the 20 seconds where La La Land had won, won it? Dude, I don't know. I, think, I felt like it was just like, there was no way. But just seeing those guys... Like, in, you know what I mean? It's just so surreal when, you know, it's like seeing you, like, go up on stage and be like, this movie about New Orleans brothel house won an Oscar. And I'm like, we were just, like, it's like that kind of moment. Yeah, it's like, fuck you, Leo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I hope you like, named that episode, this episode called yeah, Fuck, fuck you, Leo, Leo, obviously. Um, the whole point is, it's just like, it's just the confidence to me is like, you legit, like, have control of your destiny and i just felt like this energy coming from them like it's amazing and you were you just charged them rent i mean that's pretty no i gave them free rent oh you did yeah because i was like at that moment i'm like dude whatever go for it like take it that's amazing so you did you get a special thanks in the movie i did i did yes i actually tried out for a role stop it what really barry was like dude i want you to try out for a role in the movie and i was like come on man so there was a there was a role in the in the in the high school I guess or the middle school yeah where he has his free where he like, yeah and they were like oh I want you to play this the like, teacher par- the teacher and I was like you want a short Asian woman yeah so like, yeah and he's like no 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 I think it'll be great so I had to like try it out but I didn't get it obviously oh, but well, now uh, you got a taste of rejection of what fucking Leo gave me every fucking day of my so, it was so weird you because- need some Lisa Leone yeah. I was so weird because I remember like being like, this is a joke, right? I like walk in, there was like a camera, there was like a whole like casting crew, and I'm like, oh, like, are you guys, for-? I still thought it was like a student film, like I had no idea that it was like a legit like Hollywood film. It was an independent though. feature, yeah, yeah. But sure. what was also amazing, I don't know, I don't know if I should edit this out, but um, 
They told me the movie itself took about 1.5 million to make. No, that's that's public knowledge. Yeah. Do you know their Oscar campaign? How much that was? The studio probably put more than that onto it. Five million. Yeah, of course. Marketing budget always. Can you? The marketing budget always will sometimes outdo because this is what I do now. I do. The marketing budget will always supersede what the actual production budget is, unless you're doing a two hundred million dollar movie. Just for the Oscars. So yeah. they spent $5 million on ads, on a billboard. Well, they'd already been nominated then. Well, I think it's, uh, it's, it's all over. It's all over, but yeah. So, so it's, it, it's the four-year consideration campaign is what she's... What yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what they're doing is between Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, the billboards, everything else, right? They are buying paid media. That's crazy. But, 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 but here's my question. If you had to allocate on a percentage basis the pre-nomination... Budget versus the post nomination oh, budget. What would I don't that know. Be? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I from the you know I wasn't on the the, the PR side of it because that's where that budget comes from. But obviously, there's the pre nomination budget as you're talking about, and that's a big push. And then once that's out, there, there's a larger the post nomination right because you're, you're down. You're down. Yeah. Because a five million dollar uh, post nomination, but like that for a two hundred million dollar budget film, that's nothing. That's nothing. It's That's just crazy. that for small film, the numbers seem to No, it's crazy. Them. And then for them, it's like, you know, they have to like go literally like door to door, like shaking hands to all the not, you know, to the Academy members. Like they were saying there was literally like nursing homes filled with like old Academy members. Sure. That you go and do brunches with and just like, hi, I'm Mary Jenkins. Yeah. I'm, you know, please vote for me. It's like a political campaign. It's like, I had no idea that. The Oscars was on that tip. But at the same time, it is heartening and quite you know, heartwarming you know, uh, uh, that film like that that is so born out of like the soul and the heart would cat would, would win. Like I you know, oh, to yeah, me, no. that, it's, it's way more cynical. Than like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like spend as much money as you want. If that's the movie that ends up winning. That's Absolutely. Great. They always say you can't deny the product. You cannot, yeah, you cannot deny and, the product. And guess what? La La Land was a fucking beautiful movie too. Yeah, it was just not the same. I don't know if I'd call it beautiful, but it certainly was. I liked it a lot. It was an entertaining movie. You know, Jordan Rosenblum was a friend of mine, um, was the one starting to give the acceptance speech. I know. So oh, that guy is big up to that guy. Yeah. So he's, he's, yeah. He's, an ama- he's an amazing He's an amazing dude, and like we sort of like grew up together in in LA, and you know, big ups to Jordan. But I would say that in regards to Moonlight, I'm actually trying to remember who distributed that movie. A24. Okay. Yeah. So that was their first movie too. That was their right. So they they knew they had something they special. Had, yeah. They took a gamble, and and it paid off. I also would be remiss if I didn't say that I think one of the best. Movies I've seen in a while is Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Mr. Oh, Rogers the story. Mr. Rogers story. That's a pretty if you big up Mr. Rogers, R.I.P. But you know, I think that fuck you, fuck you, Tom Hanks. Yeah, seriously. There's Why so did many... you need to make a movie Tom Hanks about Mr. Rogers? But that movie, that documentary, is a, a, a real testament to what was how, it? What, what, how did that strike? Like why? Like because. He truly, and obviously, I can say from my own personal point of view, I remember watching Mr. Rogers as a kid. 
Right. So it was something that I certainly watched, but I just watched it. I learned he had puppets. It was fine. I was six, seven, whatever. And then you cut to, you know, 30 years later. This was a guy that actually put his whole entire being life into educating American and ultimately, you know, global children around the world and teaching them morals and values Beyond just like, yes, okay, you know, this is, this is, these are the things you do and, and sort of alphabet, this and that. He actually taught kids how to be good people. Well, but, okay, so, so. And that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, so, so, so you, you're, you now have a relationship with your dad, but he wasn't, like, what he, like, not, not to be reductive, but like, was, was the presence of a, of a, a male no, it was, I, it was just I, more, more your, like, it wouldn't have mattered whether you had, it was just a, a, a meta symbol. I just remember watching Mr. Rogers and I was like, man, I just would watch it after, you know, I, I was obviously very young, but then when I actually saw what Mr. Rogers, how he spent 40 years of his whole life trying to, yeah, and he, he lived it and breathed it. He lived it, it and breathed yeah. it and he was real authentic. He just wanted to, sh- to share Right. To share what it means to be a human being and to show, you know, kindness and compa- yeah, I mean, kindness and compassion and love. That's all he fucking wanted to instill in people. Look at and Ben's like, face. Ben's like, gross. I know. But <laughs> you, that's you, not, that's you, not you, my you, face. You didn't no. have Mr. Roger, which is fine. But I did fine. your kids ever watch? Did your kid ever watch Mr. Rogers, do you think? No. Really? Well, no, they don't. I mean, I grew up watching Mr. Rogers because that was the 80s. You know, that was on, you know, Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers. But no, they, for them, compassion and um, decency is like all through social media. It's like. See, that's what's like, sad. It's like through, I don't like, see any decency or really compassion through social media at all. What's sad to me, this, and I'm not to be like, European, you know, like in Europe, but like the fact that in your society growing up, like that was a singular voice. Like, you know, like I think that, you know, let's, let's talk about American society and culture. And oh, American sucks. No, no, America, America's, America sucks and it's amazing, right? It's everything, it's a lot of things. But like, when I look, when I, you know, when I see about Toronto now, like I, my Americanness, my American, the American side of my personality is like that's beautiful. I can't believe it. But then when I look at it like that, you know, I grew up in Europe. Like that was everywhere. Like that's society's decent. You mean like what, your neighbor, that, your your uncle, yeah, your family, and it's, like, like and it's not sentimentalized. That's just it's more like that's the fucking that's rules. Those then yeah. the rules you live by, right? Yeah. But those that doesn't exist in this country. I know, and that's that's I think sad. Yeah. That's, but I just wanted to shout out to Mr. Rogers because that's one of the stories of the past 10 years. Yeah, and it's so sad it because selling. if you look at, you know, the, they were trying to, like, make him seem like this, like, gay pedophile it was at so, one point. Of, you know, and obviously like, I never knew any. I mean, I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, no, I know. It was incredible just to think that. Who would do that? Who would what? do that to a guy that spent his whole life because fucking just trying to actually instill decency values and a sense of a moral compass and being a good human being. Because people suck, dude, at the end of the day. <sighs> yeah, I think people do. Fuck you, Leo. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, fuck you, Leo. That We're looking at you. But I do think that 
Um, honestly, people are only really do, there are very few people that actually care about other people, that care about how other people really feel mm -hmm. and, and don't put themselves first. Right. I, I, I do believe that. And I think that's, you know, talked about, you know, my, on a personal level, my mom always did that. And that was almost at some point it would backfire because she'd always put herself first. And those are the lessons that I've learned, but still the, the, what she ended up teaching me is you should put other people's feelings and needs sometimes before yours, mm -hmm. as we all should. I'm not saying you have to do it every single moment of every single day, mm -hmm. but I think for the common good for people to be okay, it does matter and it does make a difference in how we perceive the world and how we interact with other human beings. Mm. You bring up your mom a lot and I don't know if it's just by coincidence, but mm -mm. is she such a, like a figure in your life? That, yeah, she yeah. is. Yeah. We just, it was just, it was just, you know, just me and her for the, yeah. for the ride. And what, I mean, what are the traits that you feel that, you know, that you embody that was directly influenced by her? She certainly, she certainly, you know, had, well, it's, it's, it's twofold, right? It's a bit of a double-edged sword. Like, I think she had a lot of insecurities, which I would pick up. Mm. But, but on, but on the flip side, like, she really taught me to just keep faith, mm. keep not in a God-like way, but just mm -hmm. keep faith in yourself and just charge ahead, move forward. Um, don't let the like doubts in your head bring you or pull you back. Just if you feel it, go with it and go with mm -hmm. your gut. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing that it's even now hard to do sometimes. Right. It's hard to, hard to continue to just with all the fucking madness of 2020 yeah. keep the faith but that's one thing she certainly did teach me so how are you keeping the faith man mm. i'd say a little bit of tequila <laughs> a little bit of weed um medicinal of course of course prescribed, license prescribed by course. a doc yes. prescribed by a doctor for all the, all the law enforcement officers listening yeah and you know my corporate my corporate colleagues it is yeah. is by a doctor um, Dr. Barry Rosenstein. Okay, it, okay, it? we got it, we got it. Uh -huh. um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's hard. It is hard. I think that the sense of isolation has been tough this year. Um, and, you know, in a way, I've been displaced from my home in New York, which I'm going to go back to soon, but it's given me on the bright side this opportunity to do this incredible podcast. Wait, by the way, what's the, na what's the name of this podcast? Fake Podcast. It's called the fake podcast. Yes. Okay. Trademark. I. It's been a. It's not trademark. It's been a. It's kind of trademark. It's been a pleasure to join. Are you wrapping it up? Is that are you? Are you? Is, wow. Usually it's Astro that's like keeping time. Like, okay, we're done. I was just giving you know. Just no, giving he's, a, he's a giving us prompts. Giving a shout out to the fake podcast on on the real platform, Apple and Spotify. Mm -hmm. Soon to come with NBC. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we, maybe we could well let's talk offline okay let's <laughs> let's talk offline yeah um should we do rapid fire questions sure do you have questions oh there's more 
Well, we, you know, we we stopped doing this because it got like really serious in the last couple podcasts. Will we do these like rapid fire questions? I mean, sure. <laughs> okay. As I, long as it doesn't involve aeronautics, which I said no, earlier. no, no, yeah. So I have like a couple. I, I think we should just like freestyle rapid fire. What Who's you your favorite aeronautical engineer? <laughs> that dude mm-hmm. from uh, Pasadena. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Love Roy. that guy. Roy. Oh God, Roy. Okay. Um, I always like I always like this rapid fire question that always gets bad. Oh, not the same. Oh, I hate that. Um, well, no, no, no. you don't have the answer, dude. It's. Oh, I know. I know. When you can, could you? You know, if you were to die, blah or live, blah. No, dude. But it's kind of close. Yes. When was the last time you cried? I cried on Tuesday. Just three days ago. Why? That's personal. Fuck you. Goddamn Leo. Goddamn Leo. Really? Fuck you, Leo. Um, yeah, Carden Tuesday. Oh, wow. Okay. Did you make him cry, dude? Ben? Ben did not make me cry for the record. Next question. All right, next question. Boxers or briefs? Uh, it, it's actually a mix of two. Boxer briefs. Ooh, wow. Wow. Cotton or polyester? Uh, cotton. I got it with the balls buried. Hi. <laughs> um, what was your best purchase under $100? I just bought what's actually really exciting. Um, and I was going to keep it a surprise for Ben, but I'll share it. I bought fish flops. What the f- What's that? The fuck is that? There you go. Look it up. Fish flops. Next question. All right. Um, if you could travel to any place in the world right now, COVID, during COVID, where would you go? That's taking me a minute because the world, the world. Oh, okay, is mind you, you don't have to be a U.S. citizen. Ah, right. So you can go anywhere. No, so I Italy, Italy. That's easy. Italy. That's Italy, Italy, Italy. 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 Oh, Italy. interesting. Okay, let's. Ben, do you have any rapid fire questions before? I... Honestly, I I'm not. I know. You know, this, this it's nothing that hasn't come up. Okay, let's go it. I have my notes. Oh. If you could know the absolute and total truth to one question, what question would you ask? Um, I'm confused by that question. Can you ask that question again? If you did, could you, know, did you like Google? That was it. That was, that was it. That was his question. If you could know one absolute truth, what would the question be, Phil? Oh, what would the question be? Yes. Um, another way to ask a question is if you want like what question would you ask in order to get an answer that you really want whatever yes that too oh could um, this is so cliched but like what is the meaning of life I don't know yeah, it's so cliche it's a cliche it's like a cliched um, question yeah but that's a it's what's your you. claim to fame um, Oliver with David Jones, obviously. <laughs> okay. Being Leo's bitch. If you have oh, a life, if you have a life motto, cry. what would that be? Oh, um, keep the faith. Okay. Why, bon, are, you bon, la- why are you laughing? Bon Jovi, obviously, big factor. Okay. Um, well, what, ladies, kid. Okay, what would be the title of your quarter life biography? Qu- quarter life biography. Right, yeah, because you're like forty something. Quarter life. Is that quarter life? It's gonna be 160. No, <laughs> no, no, oh my god, it's your half life. I think that yeah, that wouldn't Shit, be. Shit, that um, sucks. Sorry, life, you're old. Um, 
the um, uh, on stage, off stage, the real story. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's, that's really good. Okay. Um, does God exist? Depends on your definition of God, but yes, there's a higher... Higher being? Higher being. Okay. Um, name me one movie you can watch forever. Mm. Fuck. That's a really, really hard one. Really? Because I brought up Mad Max, Fury Road. <laughs> and I love it, you know. We've talked about this. But I think um, in some ways, um, honestly, I love I love The Party by, with Peter Sellers. Oh. It's just, I don't know what it is about that movie. Yeah, there's something. And it's totally politically incorrect. I get it. Like, he's playing an indie. But there's music in that movie. There's comedy. It's like, there's drugs. It's just, it's just represents, and I wasn't even obviously alive in the 60s but it has this it captures this moment in time that i would love to be at this fucking party and i want to be at that party instead of the do, party do, do you know how like can i just yeah uh, go ahead out? go ahead so growing up peter Sellers was like a big deal in my life um and he, i didn't know that yeah i love peter Sellers. Oh, and he God. happened to be buried a mile from where i grew up in london what I didn't know that and, either. Yeah, Maybe. In the, in the cemetery in uh, northwest London near Golders Green. And I remember that, like, we used to have relatives that would come into town and we'd, we'd pick them up at Heathrow Airport or whatever. And we'd drive back. And then usually to get to where we lived, we'd have to go through this, um, you know, we'd have to go through this, this, this route that would always take us past the cemetery where he was buried. And I remembered from leaving Heathrow Airport, I was like, I cannot wait to point out to whoever it was that was visiting that Peter Sowles was buried in that cemetery. I mean, I like, hello, hello. Wow, maybe this is our, our fucking yeah, never bro. been new, dude. Yeah, our love of Peter Sellers. Yeah, I love Peter Sellers. I should have bought a different uh, vintage movie poster. I'll get, I'll get That's another true, one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, who knew? Peter Sellers. Um, okay. Worst lie you've ever told? Mm, worst lie. I mean, I don't lie a lot. No, I don't lie a lot. I, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, that ben, one is, Ben's like, I got one. I got one. Yeah, I don't. I, if you can answer that one, that'd be great. Because I, I don't have a worst lie I've ever told off the top. Oh, come on, dude. Yeah, very. Define lie. I think. I think. Okay. My definition of lie is, 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 is I'm sorry, I'm a lawyer, is a, a statement that's not factually defensible that causes harm. So right, you can you can you can state something that's not factually true, but if there's no victim, is that a lie? Yes, because it's a it's not fact. No, I think we all lie or we all distort we all distort things. We tell white lies. Come on. Everyone kind of bullshits a lot. I think but that where, I, where I can't, I, I'm having, I mean, I'm, I know I've got one, but I can't think of one right now. Pass. Okay. Well, this was a good one. Which TV sitcom would you star in? Seinfeld. Whoa. Who, okay. Which character would you be? Yeah, which character would you be in a sitcom? It'd be uh, Levy from uh, across the hall. It'd be, it'd be my own character. 
Oh. You asked me like to be a character. Yes, in Seinfeld, which character in Seinfeld would you be? No, that that's a good that's a good answer. He gave you a character. He would be his own. I mean, character. But that's not that's not real. Why does he have to be an existing role? Right, fine. Okay. Um, do aliens exist? Yes. Oh, interesting. Name me one album that changed your life. I mean, obviously, I would say Daylight Soul Three Feet High Rising. I mean. That's just true. I mean, there are mo- I mean, this could be a whole, yes. Whole there. podcast about your love for De La Soul? No, about albums that changed my life. Oh, really? Okay, name me another album. Um, well, uh, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Which one? Um, Appetite for Destruction. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, I think that's their first one, isn't it? Or is it their second one? I don't know. Um... And um, Outcast Equimini. Can I throw in Super Tramp, Breakfast in America? No. I love that album. You like Super Tramp? I love Super Tramp. You like Super Tramp? I love Super Tramp. God, who knew? And Illmatic, of course. Oh, Nas. So this guy's a hip hop guy, clearly. I was fortunate enough to. Um, to grow up in New York in the fucking... That's a good one. Yeah, the 90s. That's a classic era. Okay, last question. If you could play a scene in a movie, what would it be and which character would you play? Wow, that's a very specific... I know. I know. ...question. I mean, the one that's coming to my mind right now is like... Fucking being Luke Skywalker in Star Wars as the fucking in the garbage scene with Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Leia. Oh, that's as, 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 as those are going, that, I mean, that, that's that's the one that comes right to my so mind. Who you play like Levy, who's just in there? No, I mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. The I mean, other like, guy, yeah, the I mean, other uh, Skywalker. Well, game. I mean, yeah, you know, yes. Yeah, so that's you asked me who, what character I'd be. I would be different than the other question. I would be. Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker, I know. Nice. Cool. Ben, do you have a movie scene? Uh, which character you be? I think I would be. I would be in like you know like an Irvine Welsh movie. Like I'd be in Train Spotting or something. Like getting high on heroin. Yeah, I, I would be. Uh, yeah, I'd be. <laughs> I'd be getting high on heroin, or uh, you know, I'd, I'd be Bigsby. Bigsby, the, the you know the Robert Carlyle character. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, do you have any last questions for your wife here? That's going to be on our episode. I think it's episode 13. Wow. Really? Yeah. Lucky 13. Awesome. Yeah, look at that. It's going to change our luck. Well, in a world that everything's falling apart, apparently, according to your world-famous astrologer, yeah, I feel honored and blessed. I'd like to thank you both. In a world. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank you both for allowing me to have this half-therapy session with you guys for free. It's it's meant the world to me. Thank you very much. I, Thanks, I Leo. I have no questions for Phil. Oh um, come on, Ben! You, really you know. like know this guy for how many? I just years? give you a nice, good ending. They have to edit all that shit out. I just yeah. wrapped it all up. It's, it's, it's been fun, man. You know what's been enjoyable is to like see Esther being like, oh, <laughs> being like, oh shit. I had no idea you and Leo. Who knew? <clears throat> Fuck you, Leo. Yeah. I don't really talk about that. Yeah, but... Um, Too much. We're happy about all your successes and your fake attempt to save the world's environment. 
Okay, good night. All right, good night, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Say bye, Phil. Peace out. Bye, Phil. Peoples.